What's up, boys? How are you? <laughs> we're Welcome, good, man. I'm, uh, I was listening to that song. It says we're going to tell you something new. Yeah. So I'm excited about talking about something new today. Me too. What's up, Andre? Good morning. Good morning. Welcome to Security Squawk Podcast live recording. If you're watching us on your favorite social media platform, we broadcast live every Tuesday, 10.30 a.m. Eastern Time. But we're also on all your favorite podcast platforms, right? Spotify, iTunes, uh, Audible, everywhere. Uh, wherever you can get podcasts, that's where we are. Uh, we also have our website, securitysquawk.com. You can get our podcast there as well. Um, and also on Facebook, they like have a podcasting platform now too. So that's pretty cool. Yeah. So how are you gentlemen? Doing good. Yeah, Just came good. back from uh, Tampa and looking for a peaceful Christmas. I know, right? <clears throat> so we got a lot on, on, on the, on the docket for today. We'll try to get through this in roughly 45 minutes or so, but no promises. So we got, uh, just to let everybody know what the show is about today, we're going to talk about Kronos. Uh, we're going to talk about uh, why paychecks and bonuses are, are could potentially be delayed uh, this holiday season for millions of uh, workers around the world. Um, talk about what happened there and, and why uh, paychecks are being threatened. Uh, we also have, I don't think we have an article about it, but I think we can talk about it. There's also a shortage uh, with cream cheese. Uh, so we're going to talk about that and how, how that plays into cybersecurity. Um, we're also just going to talk about the, uh, uh, how good December was for ransomware gangs. That's the best way I could uh, put it. Um, so we have some data. We have some articles we want to talk about and share with our audience around that because I, I just think that people get a false sense of security sometimes when... <sighs> We don't hear about these things in the news. Yes, we heard about Kronos. Um, yes, you might have heard about the cream cheese, or maybe you went to go to your favorite bagel place and they were out of cream cheese. Um, but there's a lot of other things going on out there that aren't hitting the news, and we're going to bring that to light today. Uh, and then we're going to jump into this Log4j thing. Um, it's a little technical, so we're not going to spend a lot of time on the technical aspect of log4j but we're going to kind of give you paint the picture of what this attack uh chain is and what it could mean for the future so that's what we have lined up for today um but remember if you learn anything today share our show that's what we asked for that's the fee to uh to watch it we don't charge you know, any money for this it's out there for free for you to download uh, but the three of us uh, take time out of our busy schedules to do this because, A, it's important to us, and, B, we want to bring it to you. So if you could help us uh, and you were enlightened or, or educated or entertained in any way, share it out on your social media to your friends and family uh, and let them know that this podcast exists and, and why it's worthwhile for them to listen to it. So, And we appreciate it very much. All right, boys. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to share the screen, and we're just going to get right into it. So. Andre, paychecks. People are a little upset. I did a YouTube video about this on my YouTube channel, and I'm getting crazy comments from people. I mean, crazy amount of comments, not crazy comments, a crazy amount of comments from people who are basically saying that they aren't getting paid right now, that they're not getting paid, that they don't have uh, 
that they don't have, uh, they're worried about their Christmas bonuses. Um, and, you know, you would think that the amount of people that this affects that a lot of companies got hit by ransomware. But the reality of it is, is like one major company named Kronos, that's a widely used payroll provider for a lot of large companies, um, got hit with ransomware. We don't know if it's log for a J um uh, variate or that that was the vector that was used in this attack. We don't know that yet, and there's speculation in this article uh, that is, but we're not going to talk about that today. We're just going to talk about kind of what happened here and what has been the impact on the businesses um, and, and kind of like also I want to talk about Kronos's response to this because Kronos did report or did uh, put out a response to uh, this event, and I, I found that kind of interesting myself as well. So. Let's jump into that and uh, talk about this Cronus attack. Randy, yeah. oh, go ahead. Andre, go ahead. What do you got? Yeah. Yep. So we got, as you mentioned, Kronos uh, payroll company. And with today's, everything is in the cloud. So if you think about when you go in front of your time clock or if you use your computer, you log in, you're putting your fingerprint in the system and it's logging your clock in and clock out time. So essentially all of this data then goes into um, to Cronus where your HR or employer will then go and see the calculated time, your vacation and things like that. So right now they're in a situation where that information is not available. So if you work from you know 8.30 to three o'clock yesterday um, and you swiped and swiped out, your employer does not know that historical data and therefore can't pay you based on that. Also, you have scenarios where because their system is down, the actual payroll can't be processed. So the money that goes from your employer's bank account to your bank account, that also system is down and it's all because of a cyber attack. Yeah. And the timing. Go ahead. I'm just going to say in the timing, I mean, it's never a good time to lose your payroll provider, but especially with Christmas, Christmas bonuses, um, end of the year. I mean, this is a, this is a pretty rough time. And I imagine there's probably probably hundreds of their customers, if not thousands, that are looking for other payroll providers right now. Yeah, also, too, if you, if you look at it, every like my business, we don't have any physical checks anymore. We like I got rid of that probably three years ago. So you have these companies that want to pay them, even if they say, OK, we know you work 40 hours. We're going to pay you for the last you know, two weeks, you know, your 80 hours at your pay rate. There's no way to actually send them the money. They don't have physical checks. Uh, and it's. Not only the payroll system, it's it's also HR. Mm -hmm. um, so you're talking about time off requests, you know, like people take off during the holidays. Um, and the Kronos cloud-based HR system that they sell to, um, not only do they sell it direct, but they also sell it to other payroll companies, right? So you not you might not be with Kronos specifically. You might be with like ABC Payroll, an ABC payroll system is down because they use Kronos, right? They that's the back end of their company um, that they kind of white label, so to speak. And that's another thing that we're seeing out there where where um, employees are are unable to do basic HR functions like request time off and things like that. So, um, you know, that's one of the big things. But you kind of mentioned it a little bit, Randy, and, and that's what I want to talk about, too, with, with this issue is the uh, response from Kronos, which when I initially read it, I took it as kind of like, go find another payroll provider. But what they were really saying is, 
find alternative or use alternative means for tracking and paying your employees, which basically means you're writing it down on paper, you're doing manual calculations for taxes and things like that, and you're cutting paper checks um, unless you go, I guess, the extreme route of finding another payroll company. I think Kronos's hope is that you would just use a paper check and kind of deal with all the taxes and everything, um, you know, once their once their systems were back up and running. Um, but you're, it's an interesting time to get hit for Kronos, right? You're right at the end of the year, right? Where, where companies in just a short period of time here are going to need to start producing W2s. Um, we're going to, you know, you need that last, you need that last payroll week to, to complete a W2, right? If, if you're basically guessing on what the taxes are and what the withholdings are in this last week, um, you really can't submit a W2. And, you know, last time I checked, you only have a very short period of time to do it. You know, you gotta, you gotta have W2s out by some point in January. Um, so, you know, I, I really think this goes back to what we've talked about before guys is these cyber criminals are very good at the timing of their attacks. Yep. No. Right. And they, and, and that's goes back to the leverage podcast we did like four or five weeks ago uh, when we went through all the ways that cyber criminals get you to pay the ransom. Um, you know, I don't think it's coincidence that this happened at this time. I, I don't think, you know, if I were to guess that they were probably sitting on this network for a while waiting for this time period to strike. I don't think that they got in last week and decided to strike. And I, that's why I don't think Log4J was involved. It, it was too quick. You know what I mean? Right. So I just think that they knew that this was the right time to hit these guys because they get their most bang for the buck. Yep. Um, so in terms of recovery, do you guys have any insight on what the recovery is looking like for Kronos? Obviously, they're going to be down for weeks because they consulted with a cybersecurity company. And it, and basically, you know, when they restore from backups and things like that, that whole process is is going to take, uh, you know, a significant amount of time. It sounds like they're not going to pay the ransom. It sounds like they're going to actually restore from their own infrastructure and their, and their own disaster recovery um, procedures. Do you guys agree with that? Do you see it a different way or is that kind of what you're seeing too? So it's already been 10 days and right. they're, they're, they're projecting that it's going to go over to, to the new year. So one thing, um, a lot of times when you have payroll uh, companies, they always say when you, whenever you switch payrolls, it's best to switch in the new year, right? Because then that way you don't have two W2s and, you know, hours roll over and things like that. So I think it's crunch time that um, these executives are probably putting crunch time and saying, look, guys, if we don't have this by next Monday, we, we have to go an alternative way. Because they don't want to, you know, sooner or later, someone's going to be like, it's been three weeks. We haven't been able to process our payroll. And here you have ADP, you know, one of the other companies calling in. Hey, we're here. We can help you. We, can, we have our enrollment specialists available that can go there now. Yeah, and it's it's going to be like that for. I mean, they'll probably retain some clients, but you're 100 percent right that th th this is going to prompt people to yeah. to move. And you know, I don't know how easy it's going to be for them to move, um, but I assume that like you know, we got this article here from NBC News, right, that talks about it as well. And you know, you see GameStop there. Well, GameStop's there because GameStop uses Chrono. So like, that's the type of companies we're talking about that use this. 
Um, and it says, for many Americans who are paid biweekly, December 17th is the final payday before Christmas. Um, is that right? No, because... Oh yeah, before Christmas. I mean, it depends on when your when your payday is. Maybe yeah, Friday. I would think in the end of the year, but it is definitely right. the, the the last payday before Christmas. So you know, it's tough. Um, you know, these this is going to be another company. I'm sure it's going to be drugged up in front of Congress to answer questions. Um, I mean, just made Whole Foods. You know, Whole Foods. That's Amazon, right? So Whole Foods, GameStop, Honda. Um, as well as state and local government agencies like West Virginia and the city of Cleveland re rely on Kronos for payroll and scheduling services for their employees. A hundred percent. And the list is way bigger than this. I mean, the, the companies that use this system are, are, are very, very big and there's all, there's thousands of them. Um, so, you know, it's a big deal for a lot of Americans. It's the kind of thing where it's like, you know, when does the when does ransomware start affecting the average everyday American? Well, here it is, right? Mm -hmm. We saw it in May with Colonial Pipeline. Um, you know, we saw it here. We're seeing it with cream cheese, right, guys? Um, mm -hmm. So I don't know. I don't have any articles on the cream cheese, but let's just jump into so, that real quick. Um, before we do, can I throw in something real quick, Brian? Yeah. This this just really underscores the need the dire need to have a disaster recovery plan because it seems like they i'm not trying to judge it's easy to judge from the outside and throw rocks at the windows if you will but it seems like they don't have or didn't have a disaster recovery plan and they don't have a quick way back um so the interesting thing is is i i don't know what their disaster recovery plan at chronos looks like but when i'm when i'm reading all this stuff and what i'm looking at is what I'm what I'm seeing across the board, and this is a conversation that I have with a lot of CEOs from varying uh, company sizes. You know, I'm talking companies with thousands and thousands of employees. Where I talk to them about this stuff, and they think they have it handled, right? And you can see right here, Whole Foods is owned by Amazon, right? And and the question becomes, what is their disaster recovery plan, right? Whole Foods has instructed to use a paper punch sheet to keep track of our hours and our team leads have been instructed to handwrite the schedule since the scheduling writing system is also down. Like, so do you feel like this is part of their plan or this is kind of like an oh shit moment where like the system's down and here's what, kind of what we have to do? Yeah. To me, I read it as the latter, that nobody from Kronos yeah. or nobody within Whole Foods from an IT standpoint or just a business standpoint really looked at their whole business operations and said, you know, do we have a backup for this? Do we have a backup for that? If, if, if the scheduling system goes down, how are we going to do this? What's the procedure going to be? Um and then, you know, they said also, you know, with Whole Foods here said that the company sent a memo to employees Wednesday that it found a way to pay all employees on Friday. And like that to me is like weird language. Like it mm -hmm. found a way. It, mm -hmm. Like to me, if you had plans in place, you would hear things like Whole Foods implemented their, you know, disaster recovery plan in their payroll department and, you know, assured all employees that they would be paid on Friday. Right. But that's not what this says. I mean, 
Yeah. And, and I mean, knowing Bezos, he probably just said, let's just start a payroll company, right? <laughs> yeah, that or let's just all pay him through Amazon. You know yeah. what I mean? Like transfer the money from Whole Foods to Amazon. I mean, I don't know what the legalities of that are, but, you know, it doesn't sound like Amazon's payroll system went down. Right. But going back to what you're saying about the planning, because, I mean, everybody always just thinks, and I think that's what's in depth, like how much more you have to think about, not just your data, but just your everyday working. Because like for me, if you know, we have um, seven, eight employees. So worst case, I can probably sell the money to everybody or PayPal or something like that. But if you're a small healthcare company or a small office with 30, 40 people, you know, can you really do that? Like, does everybody even have that? Do you ever think that your payroll company is going to go down or do you just assume it's in the cloud and therefore it's just going to always be working? So you need to assume every single vendor that you have could potentially go down and impact your business. That's 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 doing disaster recovery and incident response the right way. Yeah. Is looking at your entire business, looking at the core functions that you need to run. And if you don't consider payroll a core function, you're you're an idiot because you need to pay your employees. It's against the law to not pay them. So if you can't process payroll, you're in a lot of trouble. Um, so the other thing, too, is, is like, look at these next two paragraphs, guys. Ascension, one of the largest hospital chains in the U.S., has been forced to put in place alternate systems to track time and process payroll schedule, kind of like what Randy said. They're going to go to alternate systems. But when you see the words has been forced to put in place alternate systems means that under the gun after this happened and everything was down, they had to go do this. this there was no plan prior to this event, right? John Riggi, the senior advisor for cybersecurity at the American Hospital Association the industry group said that he had spoken with multiple hospitals that have had to create contingency plans, have had to create, not, not executed their already in place contingency plans, had to create contingency plans for getting their employees paid, managing their schedules and tracking their hours. So <clears throat> these are very large organizations that when you read these articles and you hear this stuff and you're, and you're professionals like us and you, and you just read this stuff and you know that these companies are ill prepared and it's no, it doesn't, I'm not sitting there wondering why the hackers are so successful at what they do when this is the state of business, when you read this kind of stuff and major companies, major hospitals don't have a, a back that have thousands of employees, mind you, not a couple have no backup way like that. They've tested that they've talked about that. They know like, here's what we're going to do if we can't run payroll and they've all had to figure it out on the fly. And unfortunately I've seen this too many times with this kind of stuff when it comes to ransomware attacks, whether you're dealing with ransomware or whether you're just dealing with kind of like your your system being down because of ransomware, you don't necessarily have the virus or malware on your system. I, I just see this happening too many times in both scenarios where, where companies are ill-prepared. Uh, and if you don't think there's companies out there that can help you be prepared, you're sorely mistaken because if you're listening to this podcast or watching us live right now, you're looking at three CEOs of companies that do exactly that. Randy, got anything you want to say? I'm all fired up. Man, no, keep going. It's good. <laughs> so uh, I'm good. So if you guys want to add anything, um, but the cream cheese, let's go back to cream cheese. What's going on with cream cheese? I don't have an article, but let's talk about it real quick. I heard about it. 
about a week and a half ago um, because I listened to Bloomberg Radio in the morning uh, when I'm in the shower, and they were saying the guys on the on the show that do the morning show were saying we went to the bagel place this morning and there was no cream cheese. And, and thank you for the visual. What's that? Thanks for the visual. And then they said they went to the deli or whatever, and there's no cream cheese. And then they said, and it was because apparently one of the biggest cream cheese producers was hit with a ransomware attack. So guys know anything about this? Yeah. So uh, Schreiber Foods, which okay. um, is kind of comparable to like a Kraft's um, cheese yep. company. Yep. So going back to the timing, right? Holiday season, you got everybody want cheesecake, right? Made from cream cheese. And they hit them uh, mid, it was uh, just recently, a couple of weeks ago. But now because of the, you know, the, the time that the cheese is now going into the market, basically now there's a shortage. They, they've kind of like, you know, have this shortage. So essentially that's, that's what's happening. Yeah, I mean, it's... It's bad enough that the supply chain's already screwed up because of everything as a result of COVID-19. And then, you know, these hackers are just piling right on top of it, right? Um, and, and they're taking full advantage. And, and you know, that's where we're at. We're seeing different sectors with different problems. And you guys aren't hearing about this stuff, but here it is, right? This is a, a brand new article published, you know, just four or five days ago. FBI warns a Cuba ransomware gang made $44 million after compromising 49 critical infrastructure entities in five sectors. So this Cuba ransomware gang, they don't get a lot of press, but they're, they've been around for a while and they're very successful. Um, they're based out of Russia, so don't think that because it says Cuba ransomware that they're sitting in Cuba somewhere. It's, this is another Russian hacking group. Um, but what... You know, we're, we're, we're bringing this to light and we're talking about this because that's 49 critical infrastructure entities. And like we can we can look into this. Um, but really what I want to point out is they're successful around their attacks because they leverage a lot of the things that we've, we talk about on this podcast all the time. Phishing. Microsoft Exchange not being patched, compromised credentials, and remote desktop being open to the internet. And like these are the ways. And like none of these things should exist in anyone's environment at this point, but they still do. So if you're if you ever want to know why this stuff happens, if you're like, why are the why do I always hear about ransomware? Why does this keep happening? It's because companies don't do anything to to protect themselves. And it's and it's proven by the effectiveness of this gang and what they're able to accomplish on critical infrastructure so andre randy got any uh comments on this one yeah you know um oh sorry go ahead i was gonna say the the very next uh, article getting i mean the very next um sorry paragraph getting into the malware as a service yeah um, that's another way for them to leverage and Basically, we've talked about this a few times over the last several podcasts, but basically it is a service that other criminals can pay for. And so these Cuba guys can continue to make money um, through other criminals doing their thing by offer the, offering them malware as a service. And it talks about um, them taking the, the devices that 
the Cuba gang taking the devices they get infected and turning that into a botnet, which we've also talked about that uh, recently. But basically, that's making your your devices into like little robots at their command. And they can then use that to infect other computers, to send out emails. There's, they can, there's the, the, what they can do is limitless, basically, once they get control uh, like that. So um, pretty crazy. Yep. And just so people know, uh, they didn't specifically uh, identify uh, much of the critical infrastructure. But we do know that some of the past victims are uh, Automatic Funds Transfer Service, which is Seattle-based payment processor. Uh, and also California Department of Motor Vehicles. I remember when that one went down. Uh, and then also um, a lot of cities in the Washington state, which Red, Redmond, Auburn, Kirkland, Linwood. Uh, I'm not going to try to pronounce that one in Monroe. And you know what? I remember covering these. And I remember saying to Randy on, or uh, uh, Andre on one of our podcasts, like, what the heck is going on in Washington state? Um because all these cities were, were getting hit in Washington and, you know, it was, it was this group and this was all pretty much in 2021 um, that all this happened. So I'm going to, I'm going to flip over to that other article that we have over at, uh, over at security Boulevard. Right. And, you know, this guy, and this one does a really good job of painting another picture of, you know, ransomware attacks don't let up at the end of 2021, which is, you know, what we talked about. And, and you know, if you're a mainstream media news person and you don't really follow this stuff as deeply as we do in this industry, you might not know about all these things and you might, you might not, not think that like, like uh, ransomware was a big deal. Uh, like we kind of said, like I, I predicted the holiday season would be, you know, pretty rough for uh, cyber attacks, which I was right. If you look at log4j uh, and we're going to talk about that in a minute, that could end up being one of the biggest vulnerabilities that we've ever had to deal with in the history of computers and internet. Um, and you know, that just started now. So think about, think about this time last year, we had the uh, solar winds attack, right? And that, uh, that took three or four months to unfold for us to, to see what actually was impacted and who was impacted from that vulnerability. Um, and log4j is going to play, play out, very similar, but here's the difference. Log4j is way more popular than SolarWinds. Yeah. It's on way more systems. It's on the same systems that hold had SolarWinds and then some. Um, so the amount of computers that could potentially have this on their on their system is is very high at this point. So um Randy, what's in this article here? Uh you know. That, well, what's the main things that we that were, were pointed out? December proved to be a busy month for for guys like us. So what happened? Well, specifically to go off the log4j, the log4j is what's called a library. So if you're writing a program in Java and you want to do this type of logging that it offers, you just go boom and add it in. You know, click it, bring it in as a library, import it into you're you're a programmer, um, but import it into your program, and then now you're using it. Um, so, yeah, when you said, you know, it's it's going to be more ubiquitous than than solar winds. I mean, what what is it like three billion, three billion devices on the planet are running Java. Now, that doesn't mean that they all have log 4J. They don't. But I mean, it is everywhere. Um, well, the, 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 the bigger concern is, is, to your point, it doesn't mean that that necessarily has log 4J. 
but you also don't know if a developer embedded log4j into software that's running on your computer. Like it's it that right. nobody tells you this software has log4j on it. Like right. so people like us or or anybody who's concerned about this needs to go into their system and use special tools that are designed to look for whether or not this is installed. Um, it's not easy. It's not easy to find this thing because, you know, I could build a piece of software and I could implement this log4j and you have no way of knowing that I use that in my software and now right. it's, on, it's on your system. Right. So, you right. know, that's, go ahead. I was just going to say, bringing it back around to your original question on this, this article, um, I think it's something that you mentioned in the green room. Um, you know, you're kind of famous for your predictions, um, <laughs> if you will. But this article does mention reduced staffing over the holidays, people on vacation. You know, plus we all we already have a staffing shortage. I mean, this could literally be, uh, you know, several trains heading in the same to the same place. that's going to cause a huge train train wreck over the over the holidays. Yeah, I mean, the. the and it's not just ransomware, right? It's, you know, you're talking about an organization where medical records were compromised. There was no ransomware there. The, the patient records were stolen. Um, those patient records will be used down the road. Um, and then, you know, you have things like simple things like Twitter accounts of, of major uh, politicians and celebrities being taking, taken over, which also could lead to cyber attacks and ransomware. Um, for all cyber attacks and ransomware, events to go down there has to be a, unless it's a brute force type of attack or they bust down the front door and come in that way they're usually uh using somebody unsuspecting and they're and they're using the trust that you have with that entity and what i mean by that is if you follow somebody on social media you're you automatically kind of assume that their account isn't going to be hacked. It's not something you consciously go through, but you know, if you're kind of like a fanboy of, I don't know, give me somebody, Donald Trump, right? And you get a DM from Donald Trump's verified account with the, with the, with the blue check mark. I don't know. I, I think you got a pretty good chance of check clicking on that without thinking twice. Right. And that's kind of how all this stuff goes down. Right. And that's, you know, the prime minister, uh, of Modi was was hacked with hackers falsely tweeting that New Delhi would distribute cryptocurrency to the public, right? And you take a public official and you do something like that, and everybody thinks they're getting free money, and click on this link and do this, and the next thing you know, your identity stolen or or you have ransomware. So um, all these types of things are are happening out there. So one more thing, bro. Go ahead, brother. The other thing that we didn't think about or, or speak about is the ramifications from the Kronos because they encrypted the data. More than likely, they have all of this. Oh. Uh, yeah, you, you never know what they have, right? Because, God, you would hope that there is some encryption on the back end of that. But, man, you, you just never know. You would yeah. hope that the data of the, the Kronos customers is encrypted somewhere. Um you know, I, I can't imagine that there's flat files of, of things sitting somewhere of the, of the clients, but you, you just never know. You don't know what they have. Um, my sense is, is that I'm hearing that they're running from they're running backups and they're recovering and they're not paying the ransom. And I think if they had anything customer 
or employee wise for all of their customers, I think they'd be paying the ransom. Mm -hmm. And maybe it's, maybe it's both. Maybe they'll just pay the ransom to make sure nothing gets sent out from the hackers, but they're, they're going to recover from their own stuff. They're not going to, you know, rely on the, on the encryption key and, or decryption key and stuff like that. So I don't know. I'm not involved. I'm just speculating, but you know, next topic, cybersecurity companies identifies months long attack on us federal commission. Now this isn't the federal government. It's obviously a federal commission, but um, Andre, what's going on here? Uh, I'm going to pass that one back to you. I didn't, uh, I didn't look at this one either. Who sent me this? Randy, was this you? Uh, yeah, it was just uh, one that I found. The attack is um, on the United States Commission on International Religious Freedom. Um, that has They've been hit with a cyber attack. Cyber attack specifically was? <laughs> I'm looking right now. Oh, you're terrible. You're fired. <laughs> So they were probably just sitting on the network, right? Yeah. So, so they were they were got data gathering and exfiltrating network traffic. So, and it looks like it's been going on for months. And the, I I would say that um, this one, I mean, they're all, they all have their own reason for being disturbing. Um, this one being. I, my concern would be that an international player um, such as a North Korea or something like that would be uh, involved in this and then would be leaking data of people that are, you know, expressing religious freedom against the law in that particular uh, country. And um, that's uh, part of why this catches my eye. Okay. So, What's catching my eye real quick is the fact that Avast is the one coming out with this information. Okay, so what Avast is doing is they're monitoring uh, traffic going back to known advanced persistent threat sources. So guys that like to sit on your network and do reconnaissance um, either before an attack or sometimes they'll just sit there and collect data all, all the time because that's more valuable to them. But Avast is noticing traffic coming from a specific IP address that they've identified as this USC IRF group. Um, and Avast went and did the proper disclosure and notified them and notified CISA. And then you have right here, Avast said that the attack has been going on for months. So they've been detecting this traffic for months. Yet UC IRF and the CISA refused to engage with them when notified, which is very common in the security researchers world. But this also tells you that CISA, our federal government cybersecurity wing, is not working with security researchers on this problem. And they allegedly, allegedly tried multiple channels over the course of months to help resolve the issue, but were ignored after initial communications. Again, very common. Uh, the attempts to resolve this issue included repeated direct follow-up outreach attempts to the organization, we also use other standard channels for reporting security issues directly to affected organizations and standard channels the United States government has in place to receive reports like this, which probably is the, the IC3 from the FBI. Um, in these conversations and outreach, we have received no follow-up or information on whether the issues we reported have been resolved and no further information was shared with us. 
Because of the lack of discernible action or response, we are now releasing our findings to the community, to the public, so they can be aware of this threat and take measures to protect our customers and community. So here you have a security company, Avast, trying to go the proper channels. I'm just going to take a wild guess and say that this USCIRF is just not a big enough entity for CISA or the FBI to get involved. Um, this goes to kind of <clears throat> what I talk about in my cybersecurity talk to small businesses is that like if you get hit with ransomware and you're a small business, the FBI is not coming to help you. Mm -hmm. They're not big enough. And, and I, I just figure that based on what I'm seeing here and, and having similar experiences with these specific entities, that this use SCIRF is just small potatoes and not worth anyone's time in the government to go look at what's going on here. Yep. So, I, you know, and that's a good illustration and, and paints a good picture of like what's happening out there in the world today. Because, you know, I think people get a false sense that, you know, the federal government or law enforcement has a has a handle on this or they'll get a handle on this. But they got to pick and choose their battles uh, just like everybody else. They don't have an unlimited budget. They don't have unlimited resources. Um, and when you have companies like Kronos out there getting hit. You know, they got to help Kronos before they got to help USCIRF. That's kind of how I see it. Agreed. And they, you know, they may have also rejected the calls just because, you know, maybe they're busy and they don't know Avast from from Adam, if you will. They you know, know Avast. Everybody knows Avast. I mean, you know, know what I mean. But maybe they're like, yeah, okay, whatever. You know, I think they're like, yeah, okay, whatever, because of the size of that organization. Quite frankly. We're, if we're talking about right. a large government, you know, authority or organization like, I don't know, the FCC, I think there would be much different response, right? So, all right, jumping back in, Randy, you jumped the shark on me with Log4J, but let's talk about Log4J or Log4Shell. Um, very high level. Let's explain to people kind of what this is, not too technical, um, why it's different why maybe it's garnering so much attention and you know why this could be a big problem for businesses in the future. Don't everybody talk. I'm comfortable oh, in silence. Yeah. Oh. I mean, like, I mentioned, <laughs> like I mentioned earlier, it's a library um, availability to one of the most, you know, ubiquitous uh, programming languages, if you will. Um, and it's very easy um, very simple. Um, if if it's in a program right now and it's not, well, we might want to get into this. Technically, if it's in a program right now and it's not patched, um, it's very easy just to send a command and start loading stuff and start doing right. things. But they keep finding new vulnerabilities. So I think, um, what did we talk about earlier? Three, we're three patches mm -hmm. into it, but mm -hmm. there's still another one that's been found since then. Mm-hmm. Correct. So, you know, as, as it's kind of, it's interesting when you're a security researcher and you do this stuff, guys, like one security researcher could kind of go down a rabbit hole. And then when, when that information gets out, then other security researchers go down that rabbit hole too. And you never know what you, what you're going to find when you go down that rabbit hole. Um, and that happens very commonly where, you know, a lot of times the good guys, you know, the security researchers on the good side who are looking for this stuff and trying to responsibly report it, 
know that they're in a race against time when a vulnerability is discovered because they know that it, it it's not far behind that somebody could also be kind of going down this same path and going down this same rabbit hole and finding out the same thing that they found out. And your hope is, is that, you know, you get it disclosed and it gets patched before the bad guys find out. Um, but at the same time, the bad guys and the good guys are all diving down this rabbit hole once one vulnerability is discovered. And this is such a trivial, like one line of code. And you can basically test any website, any publicly facing thing can be tested against this vulnerability with literally, you know, less than 100 characters, um, which is insane. We've never seen anything like this before where you can literally roll up on a website you know, paste in a line of code on maybe like a form. You go to a website, you have a form, right? It says first name. You can go into that field and drop this line of code and, and see if that server will execute it. And if it successfully does, then you know you have a vulnerable machine on your hands that you can start, you know, trying to exploit. Um, and that's 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 the reality. And And it could be a web server or it could be the fact that they get on your computer because your employee, you know, clicked on something um, and now they're in and now they just start, you know, seeing if your system has this this vulnerability anywhere in it. And that, that's the other way that this happens. So this can happen internally and it can happen externally, um, which makes it a, a, a lot like the Microsoft Exchange thing. And that's that's my concern for this. Moving into 2022, um, we saw Microsoft Exchange and to, 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 to today, to this day, there are still companies being exploited with ransomware because they haven't patched their exchange servers. And that happened back in the spring of 2021. So there's no doubt in my mind that Log4j will not be updated. And we could see, without a doubt, the early part of 2022, we're going to see a very prolific uh, cyber attacks that are born from a log4j vulnerability simply because businesses and people did not patch these systems. Uh, and I hope it doesn't bleed into the second half of 2022. But based on what I've seen with Microsoft Exchange and knowing how few machines actually have Microsoft Exchange out there compared to Java and the potential of log4j being out there, I don't have a lot of hope that this isn't going to be something that we're dealing with for possibly the next two years. Yeah. And I think it's different too, because it's not just like when we had, for example, the print nightmare with the windows, all you have to do, well, for the most part, you just go windows update and then it fixes itself. This is a different scenario because like in our case, we have a lot of clients that have HVAC systems and we don't really, we monitor those systems, but we don't really control the software and then within that software, it's running the log4j. So all I can do at this point is tell that vendor, hey, we have proof that there's a log4j issue here, but we can't do anything to fix it because we're not the developer, the programmer of this of this software. So I think that's going to be even the biggest um, uh, issue is because our hands are going to be tied. We may know about it to an extent, but we won't be able to do too much about it. We're you can't fix it, right? Uh, and there are certain workarounds you can do. You can do like port blocking. You can deny things from running. You can you can do a lot of things to you know mitigate you know this thing from being a risk in your business until the manufacturer 
puts out a patch and actually, you know, fixes the problem or up, updates the log4j in their own software packages. But I just think about all the businesses out there, guys, that buy software and it, you know, they don't buy, you know, the kind of like the, the subscription to keep it up to date or they installed it, uh, you know, five years ago, they still might use it in their business and the developer stopped supporting it or, or, you know, even stopped, you know, it's not even something you can download or buy today. I'm just thinking about all those software programs that'll never be patched, that will never receive an update, that businesses will continue to use in their environment that will have this vulnerability. That's uh, going to be an element of this game. Yeah, it's going to be rough. Um, I was just thinking, what if, you know, if you have a program on your computer, doesn't have log4j, maybe it calls another program, maybe that doesn't have log4j, but maybe that other program calls an API that has log4j that you can't even look for. Um, I know that I realize that's another, you know, that could be on another system, but this seems like a real mess, man. Yeah, and like what people need to understand is like, if, if I can get control of a, a system, it doesn't mean I'm going to deploy malware or ransomware on that system. If I got my hands on a server and I know people connect into that server, I'm going to figure out a way to infect the people who are connecting into that server. As I saw with a security researcher who, who basically used this vulnerability to take over a Minecraft server. Um, and every person that joined that Minecraft server, he was able to infect with a payload. Right. So, this is this is the kind of stuff that people need to be aware of, right? Yeah. That you know, you got your kids connecting into servers to play games, right? And and all these things that we have come to accept as normal life, and people really don't understand how the technology works behind this stuff. You're connecting to other networks when you do a lot of these things. When you join chat rooms on Clubhouse, you're joining a server. You're connecting into a network to connect with other people. Um, you know, when you're kind of in these real time chat type scenarios, either voice or, or type chat, you're usually connecting to, to one, you know, server, you know, in a lot of cases. And, and those present concerns if those servers are not secured correctly for each user that connects to this stuff. So, you know, don't know if I did a good job explaining that or not, but I at least wanted to let people know, that, like, you know, it's not. You know, you're not safe when you connect to these things just because, you know, Facebook owns it or Twitter owns it or Clubhouse owns it or, you know, whoever owns it. Like the the users can also be the ones who create a problem for that platform. Um, and that's something you need to be aware of. So that's all I got. You guys got anything else you want to add? No, no, we're good. Cool. All right, everybody. So, uh, we'll see. Are we doing one next week? You guys down? Uh, yeah, I'm gonna go. All right. All right. So we'll see everybody next week. Uh, we're gonna. We'll guess we'll record a show. Uh, we appreciate everybody uh, who downloaded the show. Uh, we wish you a merry Christmas if you celebrate Christmas. But definitely have a happy New Year. Um, we'll, we'll talk to you next week before that, anyway. Um, but download our show. Remember to share us out, and if you could take. I don't know, five to 15 seconds and maybe write a little review on, on Google Podcasts um, or uh, iTunes and let people know why this is a worthwhile podcast. We'd appreciate it very much. That'd be a great Christmas present as an audience member 
that you could give to the three of us. So we'll see y'all next week. Take care, everyone. All right. Bye-bye.